It's her traditional podcast art from back in the day. Ah, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Anyway. Wow, I haven't had a soda in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my. That's <laughs> so sweet. That's how a soda works. <laughs> That's Hello. how they do. Hello. <laughs> wow, I feel that in my soul. Uh-huh. I drink this as a child. Uh-huh. There are children in the South who drink like three of those a day. I, me, <laughs> here. I'm, it's me, I'm children in the South. Golly, gee goodness. <laughs> I'd just like to start the podcast. Sure. Okay. Hello and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which we discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series chapter by chapter. And today we are discussing chapter six of The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called I Become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom. That was the smoothest intro you've done for this uh, this book so far. I know, so right? It only job. took six. <laughs> today we have uh, some project of uh, repaving being done in our apartment parking lot. So if you hear noise in the background of like leaf blowers or like trucks and stuff, I'm sorry. We really can't get around it if we're going to have an episode up this week. So that's a thing because mm-hmm. it's going to be the next three days of our lives. So apologies in advance for any noises you might hear from the parking lot resurfacing. I... I'm just some random kid at camp playing volleyball. That's it. Wow. Just phone it in, why don't you? Also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host. I'm Luke. I'll be your counselor today. Sup? Very attractive 19-year-old. You have so transformed in front of me. I'm less attracted. You're a little young for me. It's like, that's a weird line to hear you say. Yeah. It's like, that's a very attractive 19-year-old. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in our mid-30s now. We can't be saying things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Also, I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. How you doing? I am well. We just got back from vacation. We did. Vacation? Yeah. Uh, we did not go to Montauk, though we did go to the beach. We did go to the beach. <laughs> just a uh, different coast. Yes. We did see. We did witness the power of the ocean we did. Yeah. on sea cliffs. There were no storms though. And giant caves. That was really fun. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Really wanted to go in a cave, but we didn't get. Well, we did get to go in. A yeah, cave. we went Sorry. in a oh, cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wasn't a sea cave. Yeah, we didn't go in a sea cave, <laughs> but we did go in a cave. Yeah. Anyway, how you doing? Are you feeling refreshed and relaxed? And... I am. It was such a nice vacation. Very chill. Cool. So. How do we start this podcast? Well, the first thing that we do is we um, do our summaries, our bullet like point summaries. We do. I feel like we barely bantered, but, you know, we can let that slide this time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're weird, 19-year-old. <laughs> Kristen's fully awake today. So she very awake. Hasn't had her coffee yet. Anyway. so No, we do- I haven't had my decaf coffee yet. <laughs> it's psychological. Yes. It's a ritual of waking up. It is part of getting up. It is, but I have done the breakfast. 
I should have made you your latte. That would have told my brain it's time to be awake. There you go. I wouldn't complain about it. Anyway, you were saying bullet point summaries? Yeah, that's what I said. Cool. And then you objected. (laughs) All right. Who wants to start today? Wants to? I can't speak for you. Okay. But um, I'll go ahead and do mine if you'd like. Sure. All right. Let's summarize this chapter. Here's my bullet point summary. Exposition. (laughs) Tour of the camp with Chiron exposition. Mystery in the attic? Question mark. Exposition about Grover's job to bring Percy in. Exposition about sporting events on the camp property. Do you have your own sword and shield? Exposition about the cabins of the Twelve Gods. Say the word exposition again. I dare you. Percy is drawn to Poseidon's cabin. But no one lives there. Exposition about bullies. (laughs) And how they remind him of Nancy Boboffit, but without the red hair, but they're from the red house. More red color imagery, question mark? Cabin 11, an exposition about Hermes. Undetermined or regular, question mark. Exposition about how monsters don't die. Exposition about being a half-blood. The bathroom bullies. And Percy has water powers. It's confirmed. Look. What? It's because you're tired of the past, like, three chapters being just exposition dumps. I mean, this had great... (laughs) forward action of plot it 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 gave valuable plot input and details and such yeah and there was a major plot moment at the end there is a plot moment one can only hope about those for books that we read yeah i can only hope that there's plot moments in the books we read i could need a plot moment yeah (laughs) anyway Christian's not ready for my jokes this no, morning. No, I'm not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do my summary now. Yeah. All right. In a somewhat chronological order. What's in the window? Sater's going to sate. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd like that one. Um, Percy slash Grover contrast, which I want to put a star next to because I really want to talk about that here. Underworld foreshadowing. Zeus being uncharacteristic. Sorry. Doing this new thing where I put stars next to things I really want to talk about. Oh, see, I just write down the things I really want to talk Mm. about. Okay. (laughs) This book keeps answering my questions. Okay. Good. (laughs) Good. That's good. (laughs) Which I'm going to address a few times. Uh, Determination. Determination. Determination seems difficult. Annabeth has Percy's number. Riordan starts in on education. <laughs> Does he now? Uh, this is this is going to be fun to talk about. Um, yep. Someone finally says Half-Blood. Yep. Wise Girl. Besides all of the shirts, but yeah. No. Wise Girl. I'm chat about that. Yet more water. Hmm. All right. So those are my points. So, as Kristen might have pointed out, this chapter is another huge exposition dump, and we learn uh, (laughs) a lot more about 
world-building stuff and things. I yes. need to actually get to the chapter. I am still annoyed that in my particular printing of the book, none of the pages have the chapter title above yeah. the page, which I will say in Narnia's defense, that was always very, very That's helpful. That's a publisher choice. Yeah. That's not an author choice. I know, I know. Screw uh, whatever publisher this is. I won't, uh, I won't name them on the podcast for fear of libel. Because it's Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've already flirted with uh, getting sued by Disney more than once. Yep. So, anywho, take us into this chapter, Kristen. Of course. So, this chapter starts with Percy um, getting over the fact that his teacher's a horse. Uh-huh. Um, doesn't want to walk behind him. Does not want to walk <laughs> behind him because while he trusts his professor... Uh, Chiron, he has worked uh, pooper scooper duty at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So he has cleaned up uh, horse poop and doesn't want to get pooped on by the horse. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so with that awkwardness aside, he's walking through the camp and he has the uh, the Harry Potter coming in moment where everybody's like, that's him. Look at him. That's him. He's the one with the horn. You know, he's, he's the boy who lived. He's the boy who lived. <laughs> And so, um, we have him walking past people, a bunch of people in orange camp half-blood shirts. Mm-hmm. And he looks back at the house and realizes it's much larger than he thought it was. And that he sees some motion in a window, which you and I both referenced. Yeah. I put this uh, down as the attic mystery. Um, yes, which I wanted to touch on really quick. Uh, because of the way Kyron addresses this question... Um, where Percy's just like, does somebody live there? And he says, no. Uh, well, the line is, no, he said with finality, not a single living thing. Yes. And that's phrased very specifically. Yes. And I, I feel like we're doing a little bit of foreshadowing for maybe something that's undead or... Yeah. Who knows? There is for sure something yeah. up there. Yeah. There just isn't something living uh-huh. that's up there. Is there a ghost? A ghost. Could be a ghost. Could be a ghost. Wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, yeah, I, I thought that was a that was a little detail. I don't know where there. that kind of thing falls into uh, Greek mythology. Uh, and then we see the strawberries. Yes, strawberries. <laughs> the strawberries, the wonderful strawberries, uh-huh. the strawberry fields that uh, allow us to afford this camp. Yep. So uh, because Dionysus's abilities just produce better fruit. They work best on grapes, but he's prohibited from growing wine grapes. Yep. And we have the children doing labor to support the. Uh, the camp's funds. Yep, it is, in fact, one of those things. Uh-huh. There's that. Yep. Uh, you, you would think We that. also have, like, literal child warrior training happening here, too. All of these kids are being taught to use swords and shields and spears and all of this. And we find out later that they're all jealous of Percy for having had the opportunity to fight the Minotaur. Like, yes. these kids are eager to do battle. Yeah. Which we'll learn more about later in the book. but For sure. Or in the chapter, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a fun little scene of a satyr uh, playing a pipe and getting the bugs to leave the field. Oh, yeah. Love that. Adorbs. Uh, we talk about how uh, much trouble Grover might be in and whether or not he's, you know, going to keep his job or lose his job or get... Yeah, and we talk a little bit about, you know, the the... the... Satyrs live twice as long as humans, or or at least take twice as long to mature as humans. Yeah. So we find out that Grover is twenty eight. Whoa. Um, 
that was my first question this chapter answered because I brought it up a few chapters ago, being yeah. like, how old is Grover really? Yeah. Because it seems like he's done this multiple times, and we learn here that he's only done it once before. Yes. This was his second chance at yeah. you know, finding a half-blood. Yes. So this was his second chance at finding a half-blood. Well, I want to know, because we have Chiron telling um, Percy that he thinks Grover's too young. Yes. And that Grover's wanting to do this job of protecting and bringing in the kids. Yeah. But, like, if he's... In another two years, he's going to look like a 15-year-old, and he's going to be too old to be getting children in junior high Uh out of the regular... Like, he's at the age he has to be in order to do this, and Chiron thinks he's too young to do it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Unless they're, unless they're trolling the high schools, too. He's got a few more years. Uh, yeah, but the kindly ones came and found Percy here in this context. Like, Yeah. Well, I wanted to stay a little bit, uh, stay here a little bit longer. Because, so Kyron says here in this conversation, Grover has big dreams, Percy. Perhaps bigger than are reasonable. To reach his goal, he must first demonstrate great courage, etc., etc. And so it seems like, you know, Per the previous chapter, they've got satyrs in, like, every school in the country, and, like, there's tons and tons of them everywhere. Um, So this is kind of what they do. But Grover's different. Some, we don't know what he wants to do, but he wants to do something that is beyond his station. He wants to be something more than that. Yeah. Uh, And he's going to have to, like, live up to all this scrutiny and, like, be the best of the best to accomplish whatever this is. Yeah, but we've also showed that this was, that Percy was Grover's second chance. Yes. Like, that he's already had one chance to try to get a kid in and safely, and that the kid died. Yes. Uh, And I wrote down Percy slash Grover contrast, because I think there is, I'm not going to say Grover's necessarily a foil to Percy, but there's an interesting comparison between the two, because Grover is this person in a kind of a lowly position who's got these really big dreams and it's just like, you know what, I want to do something that's beyond my station. I want to like ascend and be like the best of the best here. Whereas Percy is thrust into a situation where he is already beyond his station. Yeah. Like, and everybody else is saying, oh, well, no, you're, you're this. Or it's going to deal. It's very loud, but we, we did a warning. I know. So you can still cut out all your chair noises. <laughs> anyway, so Percy's already in this space where everybody's, like, being like, oh, yeah, you're the guy. You're He's like the, the boy who lived. You're the chosen one. Like, you have all these, you know, obviously you're going to come save us or whatever. I don't know. The summer solstice, what's going to happen there? Everybody thinks he's got all this knowledge and ability that he doesn't know he has. Yeah. And so they're coming, they're, Percy and Grover are kind of approaching the center from opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. And... We also have the moment where Percy's like, yeah, well, he did get me here safely. He succeeded. He did his job. Yeah. And Chiron's like, him being unconscious and you carrying him across the uh, the border is is not exactly the same yeah. as, as him safely getting you here. Yeah. And kind of got your mom killed in the process. So yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Council of Cloven Elders doesn't look kindly on that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I am curious as to how their relationship in that is going to develop over time. Yeah, and if they're if they're if they're ultimately going to get closer together as they achieve the same goal, I don't know. 
but that was fun. Uh, but yeah, Sater's gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I'm really proud of myself for that I, bullet point. I see. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And Kyron really doesn't want to talk about what happened the first time. We know Grover failed, but you know we're not gonna talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have the line in like chapter two where Grover's just like they never lived past the sixth grade, so yeah. we can assume uh, he done got somebody killed. And then, uh, kind of stemming off this conversation, Percy gets this idea in his head that Chiron hasn't been using the word death at all. And he's just like, wait a second. If all this stuff is real, if the gods and whatnot are real, is the underworld. Yeah, well, because Chiron has very specifically not said, got your mother killed. There's, he said things like, end the condition of your mother, or like, stuff like that. Like, yeah. Uh, and then Chiron's just like, yep, Underworld's re- uh, totally real. That's a thing. Put uh, it out of your mind. Until we know more. And Percy's just like, what do you mean until we know more? And he doesn't answer. Yeah. It's like, so there's 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 stuff here going on. Um, there's a lot of lines that imply that Percy's not really the only one in the dark here. And there's <laughs> stuff about Percy that nobody else knows either. Yeah. And so there's there's something, something funky going on in the... Uh, world of the gods or, or what have you i don't know what do you what do you call the the spiritual realm yeah i don't know so we'll we'll see how that plays out but i put down underworld foreshadowing because i'm sure i'm sure at some point this is going to be a plot point and yeah. i am i am a hundred percent convinced that in one of these books we're going to the underworld oh yeah like that's well that's, and i told you that as soon as his mother was described as fading into light yeah, like that's that is absolutely going to happen uh but anyway we continue the tour uh, and we learn all about the various combat sports, uh, mostly non-lethal, that we participate in in the camp. Mostly. Karen uh, being like, uh, hey, yeah, the woods are stocked if you want to go in and hunt stuff. Don't know what, but there's stuff in there. Go kill it. They're stocked. <laughs> such a creepy way to talk about it. Like... We got some nice prey in there for you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, and then we talk about, like, archery and javelin throwing. Like, a lot of very combat-focused things. Uh, they have sword and spear fights. Yeah. Well, and it's, <sighs> and it's like, oh, yeah, it's totally normal in my mind that you would do archery at camp. Uh-huh. But then when they're, like, sword and shield fights, I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no. A battle arena for the Yeah, children. we have a battle arena. We have a... An armory, even. We have an armory where Chiron's going to go get you your own, sized for your own sword and shield. Size five works. Yeah. Really want to know about the sizing conventions of the sword. And let's really dive into, like, the nitty-gritty of this lore. Uh, anyway. Uh, and we keep going. We see the picnic area. We see the cabins. Mm-hmm. So there are 12 cabins. And yep. they all look uh, wildly different. They all they all symbolize or they all serve as uh, representations of each of the twelve primary pantheon gods of the Olympians. Yeah, and I was trying to go through and work out uh, at least the ones that are listed who they belong to. Well, we have Zeus and Hera specifically identified. We have the one that has all of the. Um, the sea paraphernalia, which is going to be Poseidon, which is the one that I mentioned Percy being drawn to. Uh-huh. Um, we have Ares. Yes. Uh, the first one mentioned is number nine. Mm-hmm. So he mentions number nine first, uh, which has uh, smokestacks, like a tiny factory. Uh, 
and my my knowledge of all the Greek gods is kind of limited, but yeah, know, yeah. So the twelve Olympians, uh, I don't know what they are, but we have Zeus and Hera, Athena, we have Poseidon's Apollo, Aphrodite, Ares is going to be your war. Hermes is travelers and thieves. Artemis, Demeter, Hephaestus, and Dionysus. So. You said this smoke-filled one. Uh, yeah, that's Hephaestus because Hephaestus is god of the forge. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and call that out. Uh, for tomato vines, I was a little bit confused about that one because I. It's probably Dionysus since he's not allowed to grow grapes right now. Yes, but like also Dionysus, I is not necessarily god of like agriculture or growth or anything, and I think that might be Aphrodite's because like she's the god of fertility. Yeah. And and growth and stuff like that. So okay. it, it might be Aphrodite as Cabin 4, but I possibly am wrong about that. Okay. Uh, seven seems to be made out of solid gold, uh, which I was thinking, like, maybe Apollo, possibly. Because Apollo is, like, the sun god and, like, is associated with... Well, yeah, because it says that it reflects it so yeah. brightly that they couldn't yeah. even look at it. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe Apollo for that one. Uh-huh. But, yeah. And then we have areas that we talk about. And we have the first three cabins, which are the, the big three, Zeus, Hera, and Poseidon, who we established nobody, uh, I think, I want to find out the exact wording of this. Several of them nobody live in. Yeah. Chiron says no one ever stays in one or two. Yeah. Ever. Like, nobody has ever been a half-blood from Zeus or Hera. Well, and is that what these symbolize? Is that what this means? I think. It, is it because that's what I'm getting the impression of is that anyone who's here is placed in the house of whoever their lineage is. Well, yeah, we established that with uh, the bully, what's her face? Um, yeah, Cassie, who is just like, yeah, I'm the daughter of Ares. Cl- so. Clarice. Clar- Clarice was it? Cass? I thought it was Cassie. C L A R I S S E. Okay, Clarice. Yeah, something like that. So it's Clarice. Who says, I'm the daughter of Ares, or something to that accord. So, yeah, uh, I think we make that assumption pretty safely. Uh, that being said, I wrote down here, Zeus being uncharacteristic, question mark. Because, like, if you know anything about Greek mythology, you know that Zeus uh, is very, very infamous for having relations with, uh, you know... M- mortal women. Uh, many mortal women, men, animals, gods, basically anything, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, various states of consent being given there. Yeah. Uh, but Zeus is known for fathering all sorts of things. Yeah. And so it seems weird that none of his kids would show up here. Yeah. Like, has he has he stopped doing that? Or is there something about, like, you know... Zeus is, or, or, or all of his one kids, the ones that are getting killed off yeah. by the uh, those are the, the most hunted. Ones. Like those are the those are priority targets, and they never survive to make it here. Yeah. So I was wondering which of those might be based going on, on, or if it's something else. Based on the description of of the Poseidon's cabin uh, being lonely, uh-huh. it seems like it's more mournful. Uh huh. Where it's like they're they're the ones that are all getting killed off. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why Percy is special. Everybody's just like, whoa, he's here because like everybody's like, um, you know, getting from getting Poseidon actually showed up, like but survived. I, I don't, I still don't think that they know he's Poseidon's son. Yeah. For sure. No. Uh-huh. But there's also, you know, question there. Yeah, for sure. He definitely doesn't know he is. We do. Yeah. We've figured that out. Kind of. 
but yeah, as you said, he's drawn to that cabin. Um, and Chiron basically tells him, don't go in there. Yeah. Interesting. So Chiron doesn't seem to know or or assume that he could be there. Yeah. Uh, and then we're doing a callback. Which I, is interesting because Chiron has seen him use his water powers. Yes. So, I don't know, maybe Chiron suspects something but doesn't want to, like, read too much into it. Uh, but we do a little callback here. I caught the salty scent of the interior like the wind on the shore at Montauk. Yep. Hey, motifs. Yes, it is. Uh, and then there are six beds in there, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Like, nobody, like nobody's here, nobody's stayed here in a long time, but there is a specific number of beds. Yeah. So, that's curious, I thought. Um, we'll see if that is a thing later. Um, and then we have number five, which is the Ares cabin. It looks like it's painted with blood, and, like, there's animal heads and barbed wire, and it's very mean looking. Uh, we look in and see a bunch of, like, giant bully-looking kids who are fighting and arm wrestling, and, like, this giant girl who's wearing a 3XL, 3XL shirt. shirt. She's a She's a big gal. Under a camouflage jacket. And then we have a little confrontation with her that we'll get to later. Um, and then we have a, a little bit more exposition about what Chiron's all about. Where uh, he says, no, I'm the only centaur here. Most of my kinsmen are, you know. Wild. Barbaric. And the, you won't find him in places of higher learning. Uh, and then Percy, again, brings up the question that I had of being like... Aren't you dead? Yeah, shouldn't you be dead? In the myths, Hercules kills you. Yeah. Uh, and then Chiron's just like, well, why should I be? Uh, you're the one who taught us you're dead, dude. Yeah. Uh, and he can't be. Apparently Chiron's, uh at least has a limited kind of immortality. The yeah. gods grant him, granted him his wish of being on Earth and being able to teach as long as people needed him. And he's still here thousands of years later. So yeah. He, he survives as long as humans need his teachings. So, that's fun. He seems really sad about it, though. Well, I mean, like you and I have discussed many times, the concept of immortality involves watching everyone you care for die. Yeah. But also, like, what... I don't know. I, I really want to find out more in the lore about the mechanics of, like, how the half-bloods work. Because, like, if there's a bunch of, like, people running around that are, like, demigods or whatnot, you would think they would at least live longer than normal people. Like, not necessarily Except being... Except that they're all fighting all the time, so... Yeah. Not necessarily being immortals, but you'd think he'd have a bunch of contemporaries that... You know, world is... I mean, he's got Mr. D, but... Yeah, he but he's... Seem like a... But also, Chiron's lived 3,000 years. Yeah. Like... Uh -huh. He has the gods. Yeah. And any other immortal beings that... Yeah. So that's a thing. And that's why I put down... This book keeps answering my questions, because I brought up the question a couple chapters ago, being like, why isn't Chiron dead? Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that about this book, because it's already doing a better job than most of Narnia ever did. You're, like, you're still just comparing it. Like, the point of this podcast is not to compare no, just, this I'm, to the I, I know. I'm, not, I, I'm just saying... It's refreshing. It's, it's, yeah, it's refreshing. Uh, because a number of times when we were reading Narnia, uh, Lewis would bring up plot points or questions or whatnot that just never got answered. Yeah. Never went anywhere. Uh, and as long as this book keeps doing that, I'll be happy with it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so then we go and meet everybody in Cabin 11 where he's going to be staying. Yes, in cabin 11, we come in, we see a crowded cabin, people sleeping on the floor, not enough beds, 
and we meet Luke, who is the counselor. He's an older 19-year-old. He's the one who kind of runs this cabin. Annabelle has cool. totally got a crush on him. Uh-huh. 100%. Who? Um, who does? Annabeth. <laughs> Annabeth. Uh-huh. Annabeth totally has a crush on Luke. And um, she's blushing. But she did take over the tour at some point. I, I feel like we kind of skipped over that. Chiron has some advanced class that he has to go teach. Yeah. Um, so he passes Percy off to Annabeth yeah. to have her go ahead and finish the tour. Yeah. She takes him to cabin 11. Um, and they meet Luke, counselor for that cabin. He says, our patron is Hermes. Yeah. And so this this kind of changes the idea to, like, the idea of a patron yeah. as opposed to a father. Yeah. Because we have Clarice, Clarice let, say later that she is the daughter of Ares. Yeah. Specifically living in Ares' house. This is kind of, there's a patron of this house, which is, there are probably children of Hermes. Uh-huh. But this is also... He's also the god of, of travelers. And thieves. And thieves. But he's the god of travelers. And so he's taking in all of those who are, as they describe, undetermined or regular. Uh-huh. Now that brings another question up is like, are there half-bloods who have no abilities, no special powers? They're just regular people. And why are they here at Camp Half-Blood? Yeah. And why, why are they not in their parents' house, even if they're regular? Yeah. Well, why is this cabin the most full one? Like, why? It seems like... Because it's the one that takes all the undetermines. Yeah. So it seems like and most, the most of the kids are undetermined. Yeah. This is why I put down determination. Determination seems difficult. Yeah. Uh, because there's a point where Percy's just like, uh, undetermined, what does that mean? How do I get determined? And everybody laughs at him. Like, yeah. how long does that take? Yeah. And it, it kind of implies that a bunch of kids have been in this cabin for a long time waiting to find out what their house is, I guess. Well, I mean, but it also shows, like, this huge knowledge gap. And it's like, is there no one else who came in here not knowing anything? Like, is Percy, like, the only one who's been told nothing about any of this when he gets here? Yeah, I mean, And talk- it seems that way when Chiron says there's too much, we can't even show you introductory films. Yeah. Like, you could show him the introductory films and answer his questions, like... Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about that earlier, uh, a couple chapters ago, when we were discussing Percy's mom and, you know, her overprotection and the possibility that, like, anybody who is raised in his circumstances and is told nothing just doesn't make it here. Yeah. Like, when when their parents try to protect them and don't send them here right away, they just get killed. Yeah. And so he could be a special case. Well, somehow he made it despite having no knowledge of who he is or the threats that are after him. Yeah. So. I don't know. It seems weird. Uh-huh. Uh, so we got to figure out, you know, how we get determined and whatnot. Yeah. Who knows? Apparently, uh, apparently the Aries kids have figured it out because, like, they're, they're the only other cabin that we see is populated. We have Cabin 11, and then we have Ares. We don't talk about anybody in any other cabin. Yeah. I mean, it does seem to imply that there are people in other cabins yeah. that just, like, the Zeus, Hera, Poseidon, all three of those are empty. And Chiron says there are several that are empty. Yeah. Of the 12, so. Yes. Who do we think Luke belongs to? Is he just a living counselor for 11? Is he a Hermes kid, or is he, like, somewhere else and just kind of 
kind of works here. Don't know. Don't know. Cool. Maybe anyway. Luke is a regular. Maybe, like, that's the other thing is, like, if Ares has a kid with no powers, do they live in the Ares hut? Or do they only live there if they're determined to have powers? And at that point, like, are kids brought here to determine if they're regular or not? And then they're sent home if they're regular? Yeah. Like, with all of the knowledge and memory of this place? Yeah. I mean, we, we've established before that they're very capable of manipulating people's memories about things. Not Percy's. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. They can put a mist on the other people at the school. Uh-huh. Who knows? I mean, we're still in chapter six, and we got five books, so I'm sure there's going to be lots and lots of more. But I need answers now! <laughs> lots and lots of stuff. That's frustrating reading a book that you're not familiar with, isn't it? I you don't know what's going to happen. answers now! Uh-huh. You're not holding all the knowledge, being like, oh, just wait. Anyway. <laughs> um... So, How do normal people do this? <laughs> I mean, you could read ahead and have spoilers, but that's not the spirit of the podcast. Uh, but anyway, Annabeth pulls him out of the cabin, and they're going to uh, go She's like, you have she's to do better than that. Yeah. Which she's expecting a lot from him. Like, immediately when he wakes up in the camp, her first question is, what's going on at the solstice? What do you know? So yeah. apparently she, she wants him to be a lot more than he is yeah. currently. Uh, and then they talk about how he fought and killed the the singular Minotaur. Yes, there's not more than one. That is that is the Minotaur from myth. Yep. Uh, monsters can't die. Apparently. Yep. They just reform once they're killed. So sometimes they can be taken out for a whole lifetime. Yeah. But do you think Minotaur is coming back? Do you think oh, we're gonna yeah. have a rematch? Oh yeah. That's that's what this conversation is about. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We find out that Mrs. Dodds is actually a fury. fury. Whoa. Which is one of Hades' torturers. Yep. Um, but we're not supposed to say that name. Again, yeah. <laughs> even even if they're one of the Furies, we're still not supposed to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kindly ones. Seems like an ironic nickname at that point. Yeah. They're torturers. We call them kindly ones. Yep. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, and then you know, we, we exposition more about the cabins where, well, I mean... Annabeth says here, you don't just choose a cabin. Yeah. So you are you are sorted. There's no, like, sorting hat situation. Uh, but maybe there's a series of trials or whatever. But uh, she says, your parents or your parent determines where you go. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the clearest explanation we have about what determination is. It's like, we got to figure out who your parent is. Because apparently, they're all pretty absentee. And they don't show up and claim their kids. It's like, oh, no, we're going to... Come sleep with mortals and, and father and mother children, and then we're going to just take off. Yeah. And you never hear from me again. And it's up to you to figure out who I am. Yeah. Cool. So, kind of kind of paints all the gods in a bad light, but again. It does, for sure. So does the vast majority of Greek mythology. Um, <laughs> the gods are all kind of terrible in their own special way. Um, uh, she says, hey, Percy, by the way, your dad's not dead. Obviously, you're yeah. here. Well, you're... and then we have this whole what you wrote down as Annabeth has Percy's number, where she starts explaining to him like, "You're you're not dyslexic. Your brain's wired for Greek. You're you don't have ADHD. Your brain's wired to be a fighter. Yeah, you know, like you have you have God in you, Percy. <laughs> Got the power of Jesus on your side. 
uh, and it's just it kind of describes his whole life being like, yeah, you're diagnosed with this stuff. You moved around schools a lot. This you is, got kicked out of a lot of schools. This is a sure sign that you are uh, a half blood. Uh, and I kind of want to get into this paragraph because I put down reordin starts in on education. Yep. You know, most of the teachers don't want your senses to be honed because most of them are monsters. So that's a that's a very broad blanket statement. Most teachers are monsters out in the schools. Preying on kids, trying to find the half-bloods and take them out. Yeah. And so, I am how, at... How unsafe is that for the, <laughs> for the, for the satyrs, then? Yeah. Uh, so, it, it kind of... I'm curious about the scale of the lore in the world building here. Yeah. Because we've established, hey, we have satyrs in most schools. Most teachers are monsters. Like, how many half-bloods are out there? Well, like and a, they, and they, she specifically says they want you medicated. Yeah. Not necessarily dead, just medicated. Yeah. Because there's maybe like, what, like a couple hundred kids at this camp, but if most, if they got satyrs in every school and there's like most teachers are monsters, like that's implying there's thousands and thousands of potential half-bloods out there. Yeah. Based on like, you know, the scale of this operation. How busy be the gods. Yeah. So, it's a lot. Yeah. Do most of them get killed? Is this the only camp? Is Camp Half-Blood like... That's it. I hope not. <laughs> but also at the same time, I kind of hope the gods aren't producing that many. <laughs> yeah. They're... What else are you going to do with an eternal lifespan? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't want to do a like a, a one-one comparison. I think maybe it is that Zeus's kids are hunted more. And uh-huh. Hera's and yeah. Poseidon's. Yeah. The big three. Nobody really cares about, like, you know, Aphrodite's kids, whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, uh... Well, also, there's also a difference, too, in that the lady gods are are birthing their own. Uh-huh. And they have a little more say in protecting them once they're born. Yeah. Versus all of the male gods are leaving a baby in somebody else. Uh-huh. Who is then going to birth that child. Are we starting on a, on a sexist rant? Because, like, I can, I can buckle that. Well, it's just, I mean, it is, it is, the concept of it being that those, those gods that are female would birth their own children. Yeah. So, much higher turnaround time on, uh. Yeah, on like, they're going to birth fewer of them. Uh-huh. And also, like, they're not just out there in the world without the knowledge of the god who impregnated somebody or something like that. Yeah. You know. Cool. Um, so I don't want to do a one-one comparison between Reardon and Lewis. But, but we do have this education <laughs> rant right here saying that all teachers are monsters. Yeah. yeah. Now, for Lewis, we knew for a fact that, like, he despised modern education and just railed on it and, like, wanted to tear it down whenever possible. And here we have Reardon. Is he is he doing the same thing, or is he trying to write a book that appeals to kids in middle school who are just like, yeah, school and teachers suck? Well, I think that he's taking a different tone with this in that it's about wanting to medicate the children that are abnormal, that yeah. are wired different. Yeah. And that he... I, I mean, yes, he's making a blanket statement that teachers are monsters. Yeah. But he's also making a blanket statement that they're trying to medicate those that are irregular... In order to keep them normal. Yeah. And not let them explore who they are. Yeah. Whereas, like, as someone who needs medication to function normally, I'm going to protest that. You know, like... Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, is 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 Reardon being progressive here? Is he being like a a weird anti medication? Yeah, is he trying to tell kids not to take their ADHD medication? Like it could really could be gods. It it really could fall either way. Yeah. So I don't know if he's being uh, helpful here or not, but we'll see. Maybe we should do more research into him as an author. Yeah. (laughs) What his views are. Um. But anyway, moving on. He's it's still- funny that our teacher friend is the one who wanted us to read this book. Yeah. Is he telling us something? Yeah. Is he a monster? I mean, is he re- actually one of the kindly ones? It would not surprise me at all. <laughs> oh, I feel like Steve would be more of a Chiron top figure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Reardon's actually still alive, so we need to be a lot more careful about what we say about him. Anyway. <laughs> You're so scared. <laughs> He's going to listen to this podcast. Um. Anyway, allegedly. One thousandth of people have heard this. Yeah, well, less than that. We just have to say allegedly before we make any statements, and we're totally fine. That's what law has taught me. Allegedly. I've heard. Uh, but anywho, and then she talks about how, yeah, there's all this evidence that you're a half-blood. Uh, you know, we gave you the ambrosia and the nectar. Yeah, that's what he had in the pre- previous chapter. Yep. We and he survived that. that. It would have killed any other normal kid. Which seems like, if you're not absolutely positive that's what he is, that seems like kind of a risky move. I mean... Like, <laughs> we're going to give you this stuff that if you're normal, it's going to kill you. Yeah. Cool. So, I guess they, they had to know something before then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chiron certainly did. Well, I mean, his mother did. Percy's mother knew. Yeah. Uh, and then Clarice shows up and wants to start a fight. Because she's a bully... We're just gonna. She type. doesn't want to start a fight. She just wants to bully. Yeah. Like there, there, there's no, there's no intention of fighting in this particular approach. She wants to come up and shove his head in the toilet. Yeah. Because we're gonna. That's our initiation restaurant ceremony for newbies. Uh, yeah. We're just gonna typecast all the Aries kids as mean and bullies and, yep. and warlike. Um. Anyway. Uh. Sorry, I had a thought I was going with, and then I got distracted. I want to know who Clarice is. I want to know more about her. Daughter varies. Big. What more do you need to know? Sorry, sorry. Annabeth. That's what I meant. Okay. I I want to know more about Annabeth. I think we've we've nailed Clarice in this chapter. Um, Well, that's why I put down uh, this line, which I don't think is a throwaway, uh, when she's trying to break this up, and Clarice is just like, stay out of it, wise girl. Mm-hmm. And I thought that what might have been notable, and I'm just like, is is Annabeth the daughter of Athena, hmm. god of wisdom? Yeah, is that maybe a call out to that? We'll find out. No, because it seems like so far what we know about Annabeth is she's uh, not necessarily this caretaker figure, but like Chiron mentions that she's been there longer than most people. Like knows things. Like yeah. Is, is the one kind of leading him and introducing him to the concepts of the camp. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I feel like that could be a little a little nod to that. Yeah. And she could have been placed at this camp as, a, as an infant yeah. by her mother because her mother would have carried her. Yeah. So, there you go. I'm, I'm going to call that out now and say she's, uh, she's Athena's kid. But Percy's not having any of it. She's going to get ready to fight because, like, he obviously doesn't want to go and get his head shoved in a toilet. Uh, and she's dragging him in there. He's kicking and punching her, but, you know, she's a lot stronger than him at this point. Gets in there, is getting forced into the toilets. And then he and feels then, it in his gut. Yes. Feels something in his gut, and then the bathroom explodes. Yep. And a torrent of water, 
uh, Clarice gets, like, thrown backwards. All of her friends get, like, washed with these burst pipes and plumbing all kind of thrown out of the, uh, the showers, bathroom. There's showers, the everything just goes completely crazy. Uh, they all get shoved out of the bathroom yeah. except for Annabeth. She is drenched, but yeah. she is still standing in the bathroom. And yet Percy. Percy's dry. Completely So dry. is the area around him. Crazy. So this is the second uh, demonstration we have of him uh, attacking somebody with water. Because the first was the fountain grabbing Nancy Boba Fett. But we Uh, also might have seen him use water-related powers at the field trip that he went in in fourth grade uh, when his whole class fell into the tank. Yeah, that is a thing. That's a little motif there. Uh, The storms, the fact that he, you know, kind of had this awakening at Montauk on the beach, like... yeah. I mean, it's it's very much spelling it out for us that he's Poseidon's kid. Yeah. He's he's big three material. Yeah. So. There you go. Yeah. Well, and that's... And then we have Annabeth looking at him saying, I think I want you on my team for... Was it Dodgeball? <laughs> uh, capture the flag. Capture the flag. So, I have a feeling I know what's going to happen in the next chapter. Or at least the next couple. going to be a capture the flag game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We, we so, yeah, have... he is Supreme Lord of the Bathroom. Yes. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, and that's the end of the chapter there. I wanted to talk, uh, or I just wanted to touch on the fact that we have the color motif consistent with the red. Uh, we have, like, this, we had all of this Nancy Boboffit references to red. Yeah. And now we have the red cabin being Aries's cabin. It's very antagonistic, and it's going to continue to be, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also have um, other colors mentioned on the different cabins, uh-huh. um, where we have the gold cabin and things like that. Um, but going back even further, when we're talking about the house, mm-hmm. when he describes the house, there's a weather vane on the roof that is a gold, or sorry, a brass eagle uh-huh. weather vane on the roof of the house. Yeah. So um, we did kind of skip over that imagery, but we do again have the eagle imagery. Yeah. Um, we have a metal eagle on there. Um, we also have some more fun Greek cursing. Yeah. Uh, Ereis Korakas. Go to the crows. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah. Them's, them's my thoughts. Them's my words. So I think we pretty much covered everything in this chapter. Yeah. Themes, motifs, uh, hatred of education. Yeah, is there anything else that you really wanted to... Uh... No, I, I think I hit all of my uh, my bullet points. Yeah, I think we're good. Now, does the... What, like... Do all of the... God's children have powers that match up with the gods? That's a great question. I mean, we've seen nobody demonstrate any kind of power at all besides Percy. Correct. Percy's the only one who's had a power to control anything. Yeah. And then what are the other gods gods of, and what could they potentially pass down to their kids besides superior strength and physical acumen? Yeah. Like, what else could they do? Because if you're talking about, like, the god of fertility... That's yeah. kind of awkward in a book about children. Yeah. Um, and then if you have, do you, like, they're great gardeners, you know, like, what? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of that. I don't know how, how much of that we're going to see in this series because, you know, this is obviously going to be fo- focused on Percy Jackson. I know in the... Uh, Wait, this one's about Percy? I know, crazy. I know in the greater, uh, I don't know, uh, Olympus Wait, Chronicles. Aslan's Jesus? Yeah. In the uh, the greater, I think it's called the Half-Blood Chronicles or something like that, but the, the, the book universe that this is set in. Yeah. There are two other five-book series, I believe, that are set after this, and they follow different Half-Bloods, so okay. I think that concept is probably explored a lot more in those. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see lots of cameos and meet lots of characters that explain more of this later on. But anyway, should we move on to our next segment? Sure. What do we do next? We talk about our favorite sentence in the book? Yes. Okay. In the chapter, yes. We talk <laughs> yeah. about it. In the book. Sentence. What is your favorite sentence in the entire book? Find one now. Up to this point. Uh-huh. In the chapter. I have mine. I just have to find it. What's your favorite sentence of this chapter? No, you go ahead and go no. first. Okay. Mine is as follows. It smelled just like any public bathroom, and I was thinking, as much as I could think with Clarice ripping my hair out, that if this place belonged to the gods, they should have been able to afford classier johns. <laughs> I like that one. Uh-huh. I'm going to, again, read a, a couple of sentences, a little passage here. Uh-huh. Um, they don't have souls like you and me. You can dispel them for a while, maybe even for a whole lifetime if you're lucky, but they are primal forces. Much more epic than mine. Yeah. Kind well, I just like it. I liked the... I, I mean... Conceptually, in a lot of fiction, especially this kind of fiction, you have monsters symbolizing things beyond Mm. just, you know, what they are. Like, we have monsters very much as symbolizing mental illness and things like that a lot of the time in books of this particular type of metaphor. Yeah. And so, I liked the idea that sometimes you can dispel them for a whole lifetime. But you can't conquer them for anybody else. Yeah, you know that they're an they're an archetype, as as the as Chiron calls them. And they'll come back. Yeah, they're a primal force. Like anyway, thought it was cool. That all said, uh, our last segment that we do is our rewrites. Yes, and so we rewrite this uh, the chapter from another perspective, and. Um, yeah, with all of the construction and everything going on, I'm going to go ahead and keep mine short and sweet. Okay. And uh, again, like I introduced myself, I'm just some kid at the volleyball court. And I just uh, happened to see Chiron walking by with that new kid. And he's got that horn in his hand. Did you hear about him? Did you hear? He got here last night. Killed the Minotaur. He rescued Grover. Yeah, yeah, that Grover. Chiron's showing him around. I hear he doesn't know anything about what he is. Huh. Interesting. All right. Go ahead and set. <laughs> That's it. There Get you go. a little stream of consciousness from a volleyball kid. Yep. Okay. Missed the car. Look, Annabeth's anyway. coming back to, to, to bring him back here again. <laughs> You can just keep going with this. You yeah, gotta... <laughs> no, that's it. Nope, there's Clarice. Better keep playing. Mm-hmm. Very straightforward. Yep. Uh, mine, I'm going to go ahead and tell you who it's by first, because uh, apparently that helps you appreciate my rewrites more, if you yes. know the perspective. Yeah. You can pay attention. Helps a lot more. Um, so I am doing this from the perspective of the bathroom that okay. this all takes place in. All right. Which I thought was fun. 
I always thought that I should have been more. Not just a lowly shack filled with aging plumbing and mildew. Just a spot where awkward teenagers come round the clock to do their unspeakable business and occasionally to fondle each other away from prying eyes. How droll. How mundane. But yet I am of noble birth, and for once someone has recognized it. I can be a palace. A true throne room, albeit porcelain one. I can be a fortress for a god among men, lending my waters to wash away the filth of this world. I am yours, Perseus. My knight. My captain. My king. <laughs> so, there's my perspective of the bathroom. There you go. Feeling underappreciated for so many years. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hundred percent. I thought you might enjoy that one. I didn't. <laughs> thank you so much. Sure. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter six of The Lightning Thief. Thank you for your patience with the uh, amount of noise that we are living with for the next three days uh, from our parking lot. It was only one episode long, so next episode should be back to normal. Yeah. Top quality. Hopefully. <laughs> Next episode, they'll be repainting the outside of our windows. Um, yep, because windows get painted. Yep. Sometimes they do. <laughs> just going to decide that that's what they're doing. Uh-huh. Next week, we will be discussing Chapter 7 of this lovely series here, which is called My Dinner Goes Up in Smoke. Mm-hmm. I wonder who's burning things. Who even knows? Who even knows? Who's the god of fire? <laughs> Until then, you can follow us on social media at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of the noble toilets of the uh, girls' bathroom at Camp Half Blood. Uh, and you can email those to us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon and get nothing in return uh, at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast, except maybe a shout-out or something like that. Um, And yeah, until next time, stay dry in the bathroom. Good advice. And uh, don't dwell on it until we know more. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Annabelle did take over the tour at some point. Chiron went off on Annabeth. to Annabeth. Yeah. What did I call her? Annabelle. Oh, okay. Annabelle totally has a crush on him, <laughs> uh, and who? Um, who does? Annabeth. <laughs> Annabeth. Uh huh. Annabeth totally has a crush on Luke. We're just gonna deal. It's very loud, but we we did a warning. I know. You can still cut out all your share noises. I feel like we barely bantered, but you know, we can let that slide this time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're weird, 19 year old. <laughs> <laughs>
How do normal people do this? <laughs> what Karen says here is, there's a plane. He says that. It's a really weird, like, fourth wall breaking moment. Yeah. Thank you for your patience with all of the noise in the background that we have to live with for the next three days. And um, if you want to join us next week, there will be less background noise and I'll be able to focus again. Dem uh, Demeter. Uh -huh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Hang on. <laughs> Demeter. Uh huh. Why do I have 14 listed here when I search for the 12 Olympian gods? <laughs> Analytics data. That's super fun. Oh, how, how much has our followership dipped since we switched from Narnia? Uh, very slightly. We, we have lost four followers, but we're still at 193. Oh. We, we, we peaked at about 200. Yeah. So. All right. Huh. So. Well, we're also posting less often, so we're getting less traffic, too. Yeah, we've also passed 1,500 unique listeners. There you go. So many people have heard our voices. And 50 different countries, even. Wow. We're a worldwide podcast. The sun has never set on our own side. <laughs> all right, you can cut all that out. That's uh, stroking our egos in the uh, beginning of the show. Anyway.